Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Today, I think you'll be especially interested in our topic. We're talking about human milk storage for home use, particularly about full-term infants. And I have invited today Dr. Ann Eglish to talk about this because she is the lead author on the new clinical protocol from the uh, Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Dr. Eglish, welcome to the show. Thanks, Marie, for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic. <laughs> well, I'm sure that everyone is excited to hear you because you know, as as you absolutely know, in your role as a physician and you've been a breastfeeding advocate for so many years, you have probably seen, as I have, that we have more and more mothers who are pumping and saving their milk, or I should say expressing and saving their milk. And so that really brings up the whole thing about storage and use. And I get these questions frequently. I follow the literature for ages, but truth is, some of this is not exactly spelled out. Some of it is a little less than clear, and it leaves lots of questions. I know that, well, I certainly know that if you can't answer these questions, there is no answer because <laughs> you, <laughs> you have really followed this for a long time as well. Uh, for those of you who are interested, Dr. Eglish is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I recall, you are a family physician, yes? Right. Yes. And she is a real doctor in a real practice with real patients. She is also on faculty at um, the University of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So in addition to being with both feet in the clinical ground, she also has a great academic uh, aspect to her, a woman after my own heart for sure. So I really want to start sort of before the beginning, before we start talking about storage or uh, uh, collection or usage or any of that, I want to start just a little bit before that, which is how important is it for mothers to wash their hands before they pump their milk? Well, um, so the whole thing about milk storage is having clean milk because Mm -hmm. if milk is clean, it actually stores better. The protein levels stay um, higher throughout the whole storage process. And um, there are other micronutrient uh, sort of advantages to having cleaner milk. So um, in addition, the white cells in the milk work to to decrease the amount of bacteria. So if there's a lot of bacteria in there, when the milk is stored, the white cells get used up, killing all that bacteria. And um, so then there aren't as many white cells around to help with nutrition and um, immune fighting properties for the baby. So it's basically a better quality milk if mothers wash their hands. In addition, sometimes hands are dirty, right? So if moms have like cut, you know, cup of turkey or something and there's salmonella in the environment, we really don't want to contaminate the milk. So that's a whole nother reason to, to wash their hands. Absolutely. So here's another question that I'm 
I'm not sure that this is a question question so much as it's what so many mothers have told me, that they will put pump parts in the refrigerator and they then they use them again, meaning they've got more than one uh, accessory kit, and they use it again without washing before the next pumping. They just stick it in the fridge, and this seems like a great convenience. But what's your take on this? Do you think that's a good idea, bad idea, what? Well, I don't recommend it, actually. I, I mean, I understand why women need to do that, why they feel they have a need to do that, but there's no evidence to show that that's safe. And what's happening is that milk, um, depending on how fast it gets into the refrigerator, that the the contamination or the milk that's um, on the equipment gradually will again grow bacteria over time as it's taken, you know, in and out. Because um, if, if it's take, if it's sitting out for a period of time after it's put back in the refrigerator, it still will become spoiled and rancid. So the fats in that milk may become rancid over time um, with the recurrent exposure. Um, the other thing is that, you know, with a lot of the pumps, that little piece that goes into the bottle that goes from that, that accumulates Mm -hmm. fat and it's not going to work as well. So that really does need to be clean. So I I really recommend for women who are pressed for time to perhaps invest in two or three pump kits so they can just swap out a new one. And then at the end of the day, come home and ask their partner or someone else to wash all their stuff for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's good because you're saying it's probably not the end of the world. If you've done it, you know, it's okay, but try not to do it again. Yeah, I just don't think, I mean, I just, yeah, I would say we don't end up, you know, reusing our same storage cup, you know, taking, like, let's say that you have a cup um, let's say you have a cup of milk in the refrigerator for your three-year-old and you take out the cup of milk and you let it sit out for half an hour, 40 minutes, and you give your kid some of the milk and you think, okay, the kid's not going to drink any more of that milk. So I'm going to dump that milk, but I, I don't really want to wash the cup. I'll put the cup back in the refrigerator. <laughs> That's you a great analogy. The then you take it yeah. back out and then you're going to, and then the kid doesn't want any more milk. So you think I'm not going to wash the cup anymore. So you put it back. I mean, that doesn't intuitively, it doesn't really right, make sense. Right, so this right. is, so <laughs> I think the best way to solve some of these problems with milk storage is to think about what if it was a steak or what if it was, you know, cow's milk in the refrigerator. And I think thinking in that way kind of, I think, helps resolve some of these questions. And that's so why I like you because you are such, you are so grounded with those sorts of things. <laughs> so, so let's talk about that, putting things out on the counter, mm-hmm. uh, especially how long milk or colostrum can be left out at room temperature. What's the story from the new uh, guidelines? So the guidelines really haven't changed. So the bottom line is that when milk is expressed, there's some bacteria in the milk. So we all have bacteria in our breasts. And if we and if women don't wash their hands, there's more bacteria. So the milk sits out and the bacteria initially get gobbled up by the white cells in the milk. So the colder the environment, the longer that process takes. And in a very hot environment, like let's say it's 80 or 90 degrees Fahrenheit in the house, then that whole process is faster. So the white cells chew up bacteria and then whatever bacteria didn't die from the white cells, which is usually going to be more if there's more bacteria, then that bacteria grows really fast. So if it's really hot outside or hot wherever that milk is sitting, 
the bacteria might all be gone. I mean, I'm sorry, the white cells might all be gone by three to four hours. And after four hours, guess what? That bacteria is going to proliferate and it's going to become spoiled with lots of bacteria. So in a hot environment, I'd say probably keep it to four hours. If it's a pretty chill in the house, like 50 degrees Fahrenheit, like it is in Wisconsin in the wintertime in the uh-huh. house, uh, then it can sit up probably for eight hours, especially if it's super clean milk. Um, but I would say, you know, just in your, in your average house, four to six hours is pretty safe. Um, and, um, and especially true if the milk is, if milk is, is clean when, when pumped. And when I say clean, I mean, the women don't need to cleanse their nipple areolar regions, but they should right. wash their hands. They should make, make sure the pump equipment is cleaned with um, hot soapy water. And make sure their environment in general is clean. Uh, and their environment is clean and they're right, yeah. exactly. You don't yeah. want a dirty countertop or that sort of thing. Exactly. So does it make does it make any difference whether it is mature milk or colostrum? Well, colostrum is actually going to be, it will be able to last longer because it has so many more white cells in it. True. Um, right. So, yeah. So that, yeah, that's, um, but I, you know, I mean, you're not going to have huge volumes of colostrum to sit out. And I mean, I guess some women do, some women do express a fair amount of colostrum, but that early milk, you know, that colostrum then transitions into that transitional milk, which is, you know, more yellow appearing in the first couple of weeks. And then by the three weeks, it looks like more milk, more white milk. And so a lot of that, that yellow, thicker milk in the first three weeks has a lot more white cells. So that milk can stay out longer, um, but still I would probably keep it to four to six hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Okay. Talk to us a little bit about refrigerators, and I know that we could really do the deep dive here, but let's start with first, how long, this is a hard question to ask, how long would you suggest that milk be in the refrigerator? And I want to remind all of our listeners that we are talking about at-home situations with full-term healthy babies. Uh, babies that are compromised in any way, preterm babies, all that, we are absolutely not going there in this show today. But uh, uh, talk to us about how long we can keep the milk in the refrigerator. So, you know, it's basically the same kind of situation to think about as what happens on the counter. So when milk goes into the refrigerator, the white cells, again, attack the bacteria, but it's a very slow, they're in slow motion because it's cold, Mm -hmm. right? So they're in slow motion. So that bacterial count will reach its lowest level between day two and day three. Um, whereas when it's on the counter, depending on the temperature, it would be by about four hours. So that bacteria count gradually goes down with the white cells. And um, by two to three days, that milk has pretty low amounts of bacteria. And then after two to three days, then the bacteria starts to rise over time. So I would, and then again, so it depends on how clean the milk is. So if the milk is like, is is expressed in a sterile fashion where everything is sterile, then that milk may be able to sit up, may be able to sit in the refrigerator for six to eight days. And there was one study that showed that, but again, they pumped under sterile conditions. Mm-hmm. So I'd say mm-hmm. your average one, the average milk, I would say by three days, either get it in the refrigerator um, or use it within the next 24 hours, use it for sure by day four. Yeah, I just want to comment on that eight days thing, because I'm only aware of one study that showed eight days, and I've been right. following this literature for some 30 plus years, and it was the Pardue study, and if you look at that carefully, they, they did it in a lab, and they never opened the refrigerator door for eight eight days. There was and, that study, <laughs> and, then, and then also Rick Chandler, Dr. Chandler. Oh, right, um, yep, yep. From, um, yeah, and that was with a NICU in New York, and again, that was in sterile conditions. So that's yeah. the problem with, with um, interpreting... Um, some of these studies is that they're really not 
real life um, events of what happens on a regular basis. And so we need more studies that, that really mimic what we naturally do. Yeah, I'm thinking how many teenagers open how many refrigerator doors in a day, you know? Right. Uh, Well, and again, it kind of comes back to that same thing. Like, let's say that you make a lasagna, you know, by day four, it starts to taste off, you know? So you're kind of ready to either stick in the refrigerator by day two or day three, or by day four, you're probably done. And um, I think you uh, meant stick it in the the freezer. Stick it in the freezer or, you know, (laughs) by day four, you might want to consider chucking it if you're not, you know, if you're not going to eat it right away yeah 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 yeah. 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 and that's in my opinion really good advice all right here's one i'd like to know because people ask uh i'm going back to work there's one refrigerator and people put their sandwiches and their lunch and whatnot in that refrigerator is it okay for me to put my milk in that same refrigerator yeah as long as no one steals it (laughs) as long as 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 you know like one time one time when I was many years ago when when my kids were little and I was pumping milk at work um, our x-ray tech was a bodybuilder and he looked at that milk and he said you know he said colostrum is all the rage right now and I'm wondering would you mind if I took some of your milk and I'm like don't you dare to but um, so it does have growth hormone you know so whatever but anyway no I, I think it's fine I think if women are nervous about it um and some um some workplaces are uncomfortable um with the with that liability issue so there could be like a separate cooler that's kept in the refrigerator um where she keeps her milk if she wants to keep it separate from people's food um so uh, otherwise I, I would not really, not really. I mean, the only thing is that if someone, you know, is, if a lot of people are digging around through the refrigerator and their hands aren't clean and they're, you know, they're touching the bottles a fair amount, then you may think, oh, what's on the outside of this bottle? And so you may yeah. want to wash it when you get home. But um, outside of that, um, I, I, I would not be concerned about it. Good point. Now, everyone, when we come back, we are going to have Dr. Aglish talk to us more about storage. And specifically, we're going to talk about the freezer because in this session, we've talked about the refrigerator. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts. We definitely have some myths floating around in this show, and we are absolutely in the presence of one who can clarify a lot of facts for us with my guest, Dr. Ann Aglish. All right, so Dr. Aglish, before we go into the freezer thing, I want to back up for just a moment, which is about collecting. I get this question frequently. I've gotten it for years, and I don't really know what to do with it. The question that people raise is, why can't we use those plastic bags from the grocery store? You know, the ones that we would put our, I don't know, leftover carrots or something in. And I don't really have the vaguest idea. I just know that I worked with Dr. Ruth Lawrence for many years at the hospital, and she said, don't do it. And so we didn't do it. But I don't know if there's any research. I've never seen any research on this. Is there any great answer to this? Or do you have any enlightenment for us? Well, we don't know um, to what extent the plastics that are in those plastic bags um, seep into the milk. So we just don't know a lot about the properties of those bags compared to the storage bags. But the other thing is that one of the big dangers of using bags is um, puncturing, is micro punctures, especially when the milk goes from freezing to to thawing. And we see this all the time. I'm the medical director of the Mother's Milk Bank of the Western Great Lakes. And um, when, when we ship our milk, we actually ask the depots to ship their milk, to put the milk into one larger bag because it leaks when it thaws. And I think a lot of women have noticed that. So if women are, some women, some of my patients will tell me that they're just dismayed when they bring their, they buy these uh, milk storage bags. So not even like your typical freezer bags, but the, you know, the actual milk storage bags that are thicker Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they'll bring it to daycare and then daycare calls and says, oh, it leaked all over. And then they're dismayed because it's like, that's their milk. And so I encourage anyone who's using bags, even if they're milk storage bags to um, thaw in a container so that any milk that leaks out will still be used. Yeah. I do too. And for exactly that reason, well, let me tell you why this really came to my head before we did the show is that uh, I, Wegmans, which is a grocery store that we have in our neighborhood, and as you know, I have been, uh, I grew up outside of Rochester, New York, so that's kind of my go-to place. And they have just come out with these new bags for storage, and by that, I mean the zippy kind of bags. And they have little, um, like little ounce markings on them. Oh, and yeah. I just put some pumpkin in there before the show because I had just made a pumpkin bread and then I had some pumpkin leftover and I thought, oh man, somebody's going to see these and they're going to think, oh, well, I could just put my milk in there. And I'm thinking, oh, good that I'm talking to Dr. Eglish and I can just ask her this. So, all right. So how about this? 
people get really confused when I tell them that they need to, uh, well, several things here. They know that, that freezing is okay. They know that freezing for three months is okay. They know that freezing for six months is okay. But they don't really understand what happens after the six months. And so my question to you is twofold. First of all, is it okay to keep it past six months? And secondly, if you do keep it past six months, what are the consequences? What happens to that milk? Well, that's the problem. We don't know. (laughs) There just aren't very many studies after six months. And so my big concern about storage after six months are the vitamins. Um, We know that vitamin C C, actually takes a nosedive significantly even after three months. And so think about all the other vitamins we just don't know. And so on the other hand, this is convention. You know, people are are giving their donor their donated milk they're they're donating their milk to the milk banks and their milk may be um, six to eight to twelve months old and um, and so the milk is going um, and to the milk bank getting pasteurized and um, you know getting and then sitting for another year sometimes you know so we really don't know what's happening to those vitamins and we desperately need, need research on that so I quite honestly I will tell you that if I have a mom who has a newborn you know very young baby the first you know three to six months who's exclusively taking breast milk and that milk is coming from a mother who is donated from another woman where the milk has been stored for more than six months in the freezer, I recommend that they consider giving the baby a vitamin with that milk because we just don't know. And then, you know, gosh, I mean, if this baby is low on C or low on, um, on vitamin B12, for example, vitamin E, I mean, we just don't know the consequences of that. So we have to be really careful. Um, we just need, we desperately need research on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to us about mixing milk, because the protocol uh, pointed that out. I'm looking here quick, quick, and I believe it's on, um, uh, I can't tell what page, but it's the second or third page of the protocol where they mentioned mixing milk. Talk to us about that, please. Mixing milk. You mean mixing other people, other people's milk together no. or old milk and new milk? Yeah, old milk and new milk. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, oh yeah, right. We have that. So uh, yeah. basically what we say, yeah, I see what you're saying. So when um, when a woman has, let's say that she, it's Monday and she pumped a couple ounces and she put it in the refrigerator and it's, and it's cold by Tuesday. So on Tuesday when she expresses, we recommend that she cool that milk down before she adds it to the first milk if that was her plan. So if she's trying to come up with a four ounce bottle and she pumps two ounces on Monday and two ounces on Tuesday, which she can add them together, but make sure that the second batch is cold before she adds it to the first. So the same thing is true if she has, let's say she starts a bottle in the freezer. She puts one ounce in the freezer in a bottle and intends to keep adding to it in order to get a fire ounce bottle. And she's pumping one ounce a day, then cool it in the refrigerator first, cool the second ounce in the refrigerator before adding it to the ounce that's frozen. So um, just so that you're not rewarming the milk and then helping bacteria to grow. Because warmth supports uh, bacterial growth, certainly. Exactly. Yep. All right. So here's another one that I get. Well, how many times can you do that? Or sometimes it's worded as how many layers can I create? Is there a limit to that? 
No, I don't think so. I, no, okay. I think it's one. With once it's, I mean, and that's the thing is that so many women who who are super tightly matched to their baby's demands. You know, they are making almost exactly the amount that the baby's taking, and they're getting very stressed out about expressing milk in order to go back to work. And so I will tell them, you know, by you know by three weeks postpartum, start storing half to one ounce a day. But you know, by the time that by the, by the time they're going, the baby's going to go to daycare by you know. When, whether it's two to three months, that baby's sure. going to probably want four ounces in a bottle, at least three. And so then she does need to keep adding. So so it could be several times. I'm not particularly worried about it. I don't recommend like, I don't recommend like storing in eight ounce bottles because that's right, um, right. eight ounces at a time. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that, that I would agree. Uh, by the way, f- folks, if you are watching the protocol as we go along here, it's on page 392 about mixing milk. It's about halfway down. It's number seven. I actually had that highlighted, but sometimes I can't talk and read my notes at the same time. So anyway, <laughs> there it is. But but fortunately, Dr. Eglish, who is the lead author of this protocol, was able to quickly recall that. Uh, all right. So another question that I get is, what if the milk is already in the bottle and the baby has had his mouth on it, then do any of these recommendations change? <laughs> uh, that's another area where we have no research, um, really none. So my feeling about it is, again, think about the three-year-old. You put some food on the table. The kid, you know, is like, oh, wait, I want to finish watching my movie. And starts to <laughs> take a couple bites, watches the movie, comes back. It's an hour later. Oh, yeah, the food is probably fine, right? Um, even if it's exiled, it's probably fine. So I would say that... Um, Again, knowing if the milk was taken, it, it, again, it depends on the quality of the milk when feeding started. So if it was freshly pumped milk, there's a lot of white cells in there. So that milk is probably good for a couple more hours, even if there were are some baby germs in it, because the white cells are going to take care of the germs. <laughs> if, the milk, if the milk was, let's say, pumped you know, two months ago, and the, or let's say six months ago, and the milk set out for six hours and then went into the refrigerator for five days and then went into the freezer. That milk is pretty contaminated already. And then it comes out and it's thawed for three days in the refrigerator and then sits out. I would say, you better drink that right away or maybe not drink it at all, but don't keep that around in warm warm air, you know. So it depends on how much bacteria was able to be grown in that bottle. So I would say, I just think of it practically speaking, you know, I don't really recommend that they chuck it right away if the baby's done feeding because you know what, maybe the baby has gas and just needs to pass some gas and then is going to be hungry again in like a half an hour. So I usually say in a couple, give it a couple hours and if the baby doesn't want it in a couple hours, then probably chuck it. Okay. So two hours or so. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I mean, give just, or take. It, again, using one's common sense is really the best sure. way to go here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm all for that. All right. Yeah. So what do you tell people about putting their milk in one of those? Uh, oh, I have one that I take on the road with me. It's uh, one of those ice chests uh, and you stick your blue ice thing in it. Mm-hmm. How long will milk keep if you and I mean human milk now. We're not talking milk out of the carton. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's only one study on that. <laughs> and that's, yeah. uh, we, we assume that it's 55 degrees and we assume that it's fine for 24 hours. We we don't have any other knowledge of that. So I would say that if a woman 
um, is needing to do that at work, for example, or whatever, wherever she's going on the airplane or whatever, try to, I would say as soon as she can get that refrigerated, she should get it refrigerated. So if it's, you know, eight hours, I would not be, I would not be concerned about eight hours. You know, again, if it's at 55 degrees, the, the reaction of the, you know, the white cells and the bacteria, everything's pretty slow. And so she's probably fine for eight to 10 hours. Um, again, making sure that if she does have to do that, that she's really cleaning her hands and making sure her pump equipment is really clean. I would agree. I think that those are really good guidelines. And again, listeners, please notice that Dr. Eglish has several times in this short period uh, mentioned how important it is to start with clean hands, clean environment, clean everything, because that, uh, uh, pardon me if I'm overstating what you said, but I think you're saying that absolutely impacts how long uh, the milk will safely last. Yeah, I would say that that's a super consistent finding in many of the studies. The cleaner, the longer that milk lasts in terms of the quality, protein levels, and contamination. Um, I wanted to say, though, that in our protocol, I think we do still say that um, using a freezer bag is okay for 24 hours, but I would say if it was me or my daughter with her pump milk or something, I'd say, mm, you know, try to get in the refrigerator by eight to 10 hours if you can yeah. and keep yeah. it, Which, just keep it and keep it cold, you know, keep bringing yeah, an extra yeah. freezer pack and yeah. Well, yeah. I think that that's very realistic. Most of us are not off the grid for more than eight or 10 hours, you know? Right, right. Uh, even if you're taking a trip from the East Coast to the West Coast and you're going by plane, it's pretty likely that you're going to be in your rental car by eight hours or, or, or less, really. So I think that those are good guidelines. Hey, everybody, do not go away because I'm going to come back with Dr. Eglish. And when we come back, we are going to talk more specifically about the the freezing aspects and the thawing and re-thawing, reheating, all of that. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. 
A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with the lead author of the new Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine Protocol. It is clinical protocol number eight on human milk storage and information for home use for full-time infants. It was just revised a couple of months ago, and the lead author is with us today, Dr. Ann Eglish. All right, so Dr. Eglish, talk with us, please, about the protocol clearly says and has said before, and what I think we all tell people is, using fresh milk first. A lot of people seem to get really confused about this. Can you clarify what's the best practice and why is it the best practice? Right. I think we're used to like in our refrigerator taking out the old, use up the old eggs and then use the fresh eggs. Yep. You know, this uh-huh. is kind of keep things, uh, you know, kind of rotating through like they do at the grocery store. And we, we really don't want to do it with breast milk for a number of reasons. Number one, fresh is really best. There are a lot of healthy bacteria, probiotics in breast milk um, that we want to maintain and not have chewed up by the white cells in the milk in the storage process so that those healthy bacteria um, really play an important role in gut health for the infant to reduce diarrhea. So there's that. Um, with milk storage, like I've said before, the white cells start to chew up the bacteria. And that's good in a way for the bad bacteria, not for the good bacteria, but it's also not great for the white cells. The white cells help to protect the infant's, health, infant's overall health, gut and all, um, and also um, provide protein. So a lot of these factors that are in breast milk also um, provide nutrients as well. So those white cells then become destroyed and the protein levels go down. So the quality just isn't as good. The other thing that many people complain about is the smell of the milk. And um, Mm -hmm. the milk does naturally... Um, the, there's a light, there's an enzyme called lipase and there's no yep. such thing as high or low lipase. It's just in everyone's milk and it's there to go directly into the baby's stomach and help the baby break down the fats in the milk. That's why milk is digested. One of the reasons why milk is digested so easily. Well, when the milk goes into a bottle, what does lipase know? Lipase thinks, oh, I'm a, I guess I'm in a stomach and it, <laughs> and, it, and it cleaves the fat. And then that fat, the fatty acids become what we call oxidized. And that's where you get that smell. So the longer the milk is stored, the kind of smellier it gets, um, which is a whole nother topic. Well, but it's just like most... any food that we put in the refrigerator. Yeah, it oxidizes. Yeah, it gets yeah. a little smellier over time. But the yeah. one other thing I want to mention is that when women are breastfeeding, they make antibodies against the germs that she and her, and her infant are experiencing at the same time. Yeah. So when, when the baby comes home from daycare or wherever and the baby has a runny nose, she experiences that. The germs go into her mouth and airway from her hands and go down into her gut. She makes antibodies to those germs and those antibodies end up in the breast milk. So we want her to give the baby the breast milk from that day or the preceding day and the following day um, because that's what's going to protect that baby the most from illnesses. And now that we're entering flu season, this is especially important Mm. with influenza Mm. coming up. Yeah. 
This is where I think people get confused. You're right. We've always been told, use the old eggs before you use the uh, the new eggs. You know, you want to keep right. your stock rotated, all that. But what I think people are confused about is when you say fresh milk, I take that to mean milk that was just pumped. Is that what you mean or just expressed? I would say milk that's expressed you know, within the last 24 hours that has not been frozen or um, yeah. that has not been frozen yet. So fresh milk, right, is going to be the, the the best milk. And this is even seen in the NICUs too, that when moms um, have just expressed milk within the last within the last day or two days and they haven't put it in their freezer yet, that's going to be the best milk. But the sooner, the better, the, you know, the fresher it is, again, those white cells haven't broken down yet. So the direct breastfeeding is absolutely gold standard. And then milk that was expressed two hours ago is better than three hours ago. And three hours ago is better than six hours ago. And six hours ago is better than 12 hours ago. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, when I teach my comprehensive lactation course, the way that I put it is the more extreme temperature that you expose the milk to and the longer the period of being exposed to the high or the low extremes, the the less um, oh, how do I word that something like there's more breakdown, right? More distortion. You, yeah. yeah, not yeah. so much with the with really super cold temperatures. Um, there's a little bit of there are a few things that have been found in studies that may happen with with ultra cold temperatures, but most people don't have like negative 80 degrees Celsius freezers. Oh, true, true. So so your yeah. typical freezer is. Um, you know, it's going to be fine. It's not necessarily worse than the refrigerator. Um, really? So, yeah. Well, the only, I guess the only difference is that when you first put the, if you just pump the milk and you put it in the refrigerator, the, the, what, the bacteria counts do go down. The bad bacteria goes down a little bit um, because okay. the white cells are working. But if you put it in the freezer right away, then whatever amount of bacteria and white cells were in the milk at the time of freezing are going to kind of stay in there. But then when it's thawed, the white cells are going to be a little more sluggish. Oh, you just led me into my next question. We didn't script this, but you gave, you gave me a perfect a perfect out. Uh, thawing in the refrigerator. Now, mm-hmm. I have known since the late 1970s that thawing in the refrigerator is sort of the best practice. But, you know, you've lived long enough to know what I know, which is people aren't thinking ahead. So very often what we find is the milk wasn't thawed in the refrigerator, so there we are. So why is it best to thaw it in the refrigerator? Well, so it's slow, and um, what happens, it's really more what happens when you don't thaw in the refrigerator, when you thaw it in a warm water bath. Yeah. Um, well, so so um, thawing at room temperature is probably not bad, but it's kind of slow, and then it may not be as good. So if you, because when you thaw it, you want to use it, you know, right away if it's if it's going to come to room temperature. So if you thaw it in a warm water bath, what happens is that the fat will actually melt. So think about taking out um, a chocolate chip cookie from the freezer and you put it in the refrigerator and it's like reasonable texture, but you're like, oh, I really want that cookie soon. So then you stick the cookie into like a hot water bath, you know, in a plastic bag and a hot water bath. Well, all the chocolates is going to kind of melt against the plastic bag, right? Great and, analogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens with breast milk when you put it into a pretty warm temperature. The milk, the uh, fat will melt 
and actually adhere to the lining of the bottle, which possibly could reduce calorie calories. Mm. So, um, and it may adhere and may be harder to get off, just like it is hard to get fat off of, like you know, when you're you know when you're making a dish, you know, fat will stay on the edges of the pan or whatever. So um, that's why the refrigerator is probably a little bit better. You don't Does destroy make, those fat molecules as much. Does it make any difference? Is it any uh, different if you, I know I've read a study that says you should just do lukewarm water bath rather than warm water bath. Do you think that m- amounts to a hill of beans or not? I think that would be better. Yeah. It, the, yeah. Less, l- the less heat, so there was a pretty good study that looked at two different, like those bottle warmers and two yeah, different yeah. temperatures uh-huh. of the bottle warmers and the one that was a lot warmer, um, you, there, there was less fat than one that had that didn't warm it quite as much. So okay. going with lukewarm would be better, and the refrigerator is really the best. You just preserve more calories that way. Okay. What about if the baby doesn't use the milk at all? Then is it okay to refreeze it? Well, it depends. I mean, um, the thing is, then it, it, so there's so many different factors about that. So let's say absolutely <laughs> it depends on how clean. It all gets back to how clean was it how when clean it landed. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> so if you if it thaws in the refrigerator, let's say it thaws in the refrigerator for 24 hours, and you're like, oh, we don't need this milk. I would say it's probably okay to put it, get it back in the in the freezer right away as soon as possible. If the milk was thawed and rewarmed, then I would not, because then you have already started to develop more bacteria. You've used up those white cells. I would say that that milk should probably be used and then tossed if it's not going to be, you know, either use it or toss it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you probably tell people what I tell people, which is in the future, like there's probably not much you can do about this particular uh, dose that we're talking about. But in the future, try to be more cognizant of how you prepare each for lack of a better word, dose. How much does your baby usually take? And then I suggest also that they uh, freeze what uh, could might be called second helpings. So they've got some that is in like one ounce or two ounce packages so that if the baby's a little extra hungry, baby's having a growth spurt, whatever it is, that you could do that rather than uh, thawing or... uh, trying to thaw another full dose, you've got these little, you know, as I like to call them, second helpings. Yeah, All that's right. a nice term. Yeah. Well, I don't know what else it is, but you you know what I mean. Sometimes yeah, the baby wants a little more. No sense uh, pulling out the whole thing if you just have some of these others on hand. All right. So I'm dying to know, what do you tell mothers when they say, oh, you know, my electricity went off? Uh, I tell them that there, if there's still crystals in the milk, then it still counts as pretty much frozen. But I, I don't really know. I don't know if there's any research on that. Is that reasonable? What do you tell people? <laughs> it goes back to the same old, let's use our, let's kind of think about it, um, you know, about regarding the principles of milk as we know it. So um, if the, so I would say if if the freezer, if, if the milk is pretty, if it's a little bit thawed, um, but still, you know, pretty much chunky and frozen, I would say. Chunky, just, yeah. Yeah, just leave it in the freezer and let it refreeze because um, it stayed cold. So because it stayed sure. so cold that it still has um, pieces of frozen milk in it, that means that the bacteria 
did not proliferate. Okay, so yeah. bacteria does proliferate in the refrigerator. Bacteria does not proliferate in the freezer. So once it starts to thaw, that's when bacteria proliferate, and that's what we want to avoid happening. So yeah. if it's if it's pretty, you know, if it's gotten down to refrigerator temperature, so you've basically thawed it, I would say. I would just say gut That's feeling different. would be yeah. try to, you know, within 24 hours, I would say if it's thawed for more than 24 hours, you're going to have to do something with it and not refreeze it. That would okay. be my general. Because then the bacteria right. rates are yeah. climbing, white cells are down. The quality of the milk just isn't as good anymore. Well, speaking but, of quality, uh, we only have about a minute left here, but could you address microwaving the milk that has been frozen? Sure. And, uh people think that it's just a matter of the hot spots in the milk and say, oh, well, no, you know, if I just shake it up, it'll be okay. And the hot spots will go. It's like, no, no. So tell us, Dr. Eglish, why the, why there's still some danger to the, the microwaving. Well, microwaving basically um, is a great way to sterilize the milk, but it also destroys so many of the properties of, of the breast milk that it's a very different form of milk at that point. So again, if you're worried about you know, oh my gosh, there might be salmonella in my milk. You can microwave it, but on, on the other hand, it would be unsafe to give to the baby because of the hot spots. Number one, but number two, the nutrition, the nutritive quality of microwave milk. We don't even know what happens to the to the nutrients. We don't know if it's safe in the long term for babies to be living on microwaved milk. Um, yeah. So living I would, on. yeah, 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 living on, and so. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would say, I mean, basically we say no microwaving of, of uh, human yes. milk. Yeah. Okay, and that has not changed in more than 20 years that I know of. So I really want to emphasize, please, please don't microwave your milk. Please don't do that. Right. Hey, everybody, do not go away. I will be back right after this short break. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. 
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Dr. Ann Eglish. One of the things that I think is really important is that people will frequently ask me about how long the milk remains safe. I do not have an answer to that. I suspect that you don't have an answer to that. But uh, tell us, I'll give you an example. This is one that just came up for me a while ago. Uh, The mother says, uh, I want to know if the milk that I pumped for my baby is, is it's still in the freezer. Is it okay? Or, or is it, uh, is there some danger? Is it safe? Well, come to find out the baby (laughs) is now four years old. Oh gosh. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't really know what to tell her. I hate to tell people to throw out their milk. Uh, but talk to us about what constitutes unsafe and what would you tell the mother of the four-year-old? Well, again, would she give that four-year-old like a steak that's been sitting in there for four, for four years? Or how about some ice cream that's been sitting in there for four years? I mean, no, we wouldn't. Because what happens with freezing is that freezing does prevent bacterial contamination. So it's not going to have bacteria in it necessarily, but it's going to have all kinds of changes in its enzymatic, the, the enzymatic processes that naturally happen in food continue over time. So that's why even stored milk can get that rancid, fishy, smell. And I don't know if you've ever tasted, you know, if you've had food, like you made some soup two years ago and you, and you, and you taste it, you take it out of the freezer and you taste it. It it just tastes bland. It's missing all of its pizzazz. And that's because of the change in enzymatic processes. So I would say that, no, I would get rid of that milk. And I think after a year, you know, we don't really know what's going on with that milk and I get rid of it. Okay. Uh, Because I have to tell you that not very long ago, I, found a little bit of ice cream in the back of the freezer and I'm like, oh, I could just gobble this up. Well, you know what? It just, it didn't, it didn't taste bad. It did not taste bad, but it did not taste like ice cream should either. Right. So I I think that your ice cream analogy is fantastic. Uh, Dr. Eglish, do we have a definition for unsafe milk? Unsafe milk. Um, what would be unsafe? Well, milk, um, 
Well, let me let me see if I can quick, quick turn to the last page in the protocol. And I've got that almost under my nose here where uh, they have said that there, I quote, at the bottom of the page uh, where I cannot see which page this is, there is no agreed upon definition of unsafe milk. Several studies describe the degree of milk contamination over a period of time under certain temperature and storage time conditions, typically described as the number of colony forming units per milliliter. There right. is no accepted limit. Right. So here's the thing. So when we talk, so the question is, when we're looking at these studies of milk, um, let's say you want to see how good is this milk after being in the freezer for 12 months? Well, what exactly are we going to look at? Are we going to look at the amount of bacteria? Are we going to look at the amount of protein? Are we going to look at the antioxidants, the antioxidants, how rancid it is? So there have been, or how about vitamin quality? I like the number of vitamins or, um, you know, how much fat is left or whatever it is. And so there's, we don't really have a consensus of what really, um, what safe milk is. We don't really know what does it mean that is, what's the definition of when it goes bad? We don't know what it means when it goes bad. We know that when we open up the refrigerator and we open up our carton of milk, we sniff it. And if it smells bad, we say that's bad. Right. right. And we dump it down because it's bacteria. That's so what we're used to thinking about is going bad is bacterial counts. Um, but Many people smell their milk and they say this is bad because they smell the, the change in the, the yeah. well, the fatty acids that have been, the fat that's been broken down by the lipase and then yeah. those fatty acids become oxidized, causing kind of a sweaty, um, mousy, cheesy kind of odor. And, um, and that does not necessarily mean that the milk is bad though, but people call it bad. And we can talk about that too. But the bottom line is that there's not really, we don't, we, this is where research is limited. We don't know at what point should we call the milk bad. Yes. And it would seem to me in just a simple way that if your baby was getting that milk on a daily basis, that would be more concerning than if you just gave him some and then next time you gave him fresh milk and so it didn't really make a bit of difference. Uh, before we go, though, tell us this. Is there anything in this current protocol that was just published a couple of months ago, is there anything in this protocol that refutes or contradicted what was in the last protocol, which, as I remember, was 2010? No, there's nothing that we took out that's, that was incorrect from the first time. We just expanded some ideas yeah. about it. But no, there's nothing that, it, that was taken out from the last one. Can you give us a simple explanation for why we don't have much funding in order to get more studies for this stuff? Because it's not a, it's not made by a drunk company, <laughs> and that's where a lot of that's where a lot of the funding comes from. I personally think I would really like to see the milk bank start to put some um, energy into looking at milk quality because they already have close relationships with labs that do mm. evaluations mm. of their milk. And um, but I think we do we do need funding from the NIH and other government um, other government funders. Um, it's, it, I mean, that's, that's simply the problem is that, you know, a, a lot of our research is funded by um, commercial, you know, companies, big pharma. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just seems to me that as we have more and more mothers expressing and saving their milk, we need better and better studies. And honestly, I have read almost every study that is on that bibliography. And I, I would say that those studies are pretty small studies. 
Yes. And, uh, you know, we really need something with a little more, you know, gravitas. And that just never seems to be forthcoming in all the years that I've been following this literature. It has been so exciting to talk with you. But hey, listen, before we go, would you please tell us where your practice is? Tell us about, I assume you still have the Milk Mob, and how can we find you? Because you are a goldmine of of information for us. Oh, (laughs) well, I'm at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. I practice as a family physician, and I run their UW lactation services. And um, probably the easiest way to find me is to go to www.themilkmob.org. And um, our focus with the Milk Mob is outpatient um, breastfeeding education for um, health systems, for community members. We work a lot with WIC, um, with large medical groups trying to train their staff. Um, And we're also focusing on physician education, um, since many of us in the Milk Mob are physicians. No grass growing um, under your feet, that's for sure. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Marie. It was really fun. Oh, good, good, good. And I would just like to tell everybody before we go today, I am really looking to do a show on pumps and pumping, but I want to make sure that we don't talk about specific brands that I don't want to come across as selling a pump in any way, shape, or form, but I do want uh, mothers to be able to be more informed consumers of what they're buying when they buy or rent a pump. If you have some thoughts on that, please send me an email at radio at borntobebreastfed.com. That's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. How would you like me to help you to become a better consumer, but don't expect me to be hawking one particular brand over another? All right, so that's all the time that we have today. I certainly want to thank Dr. Ann Eglish, who has once again been a wonderful guest. And uh, I would like to invite all of you to come back next week as we bust more myths and clarify more facts. In the meanwhile, please feel free to visit my website. That's borntobebreastfed.com. If you are interested in continuing education for yourself, I give professional education, IBLCE prep, and more. And that's at my professional website. That's uh, breastfeedingoutlook.com. Meanwhile, I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.